Hello and welcome to this live Q&A. We are back. Andy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Chloe told me I had great energy today. So that's nice to hear. I would agree with that. Right, I'm going to start. So basically we're going to go back and forward. I'll start. Should I be tracking my food cooked or raw? Currently logging everything in its raw format for my evening meals, breakfast, lunch, uh, have always been cold anyway. Thanks in advance. Say that one again, sorry. Should she be tracking her food cooked or raw? Oh, so I would always go with raw. Um, excuse me, I'm sitting in my car at the moment and some necessarily go past in a humongous bike. Um, I would always go raw, um, but my fitness pal does have the options to do raw and cooked, generally for most foods. So, but if you choose one, don't flip between. So don't go from raw to un- or raw to cooked and keep mixing and matching. Pick one. I would generally go for raw. Yeah, I think the only problem that ever occurs, and people massively overthink this, like if you've weighed it and tracked it raw, it doesn't matter. If you weigh it and track it cooked, it doesn't matter. It's just if you weigh something raw and then cook it and track it cooked, that's the discrepancy. Because, for example, meat will become lighter because it loses a lot of water in the cooking process. Things like pasta will become heavier because they gain water in the cooking process. So yeah. the only problem is if you're flipping between the two or you're essentially you're tracking raw pasta as cooked pasta or raw meat as cooked meat. That's the only problem that ever occurs. Don't overthink yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, you'll go. Right. Um... Oh, uh, if I feel I have further to go, should I do another round of commit to six or move to committed? Um, I love this. Oh, that's lovely. So for anyone listening, commit to six is your six week program to start and then you roll on to committed. And I would always suggest going on to committed. It turns into a monthly direct debit. Some people have been on it for two years. You can stay as long as you want. The reason I wouldn't start again with Commit to Six is because I changed the programming for Committed. You're constantly getting new programming. You stay with your coach. There's like a more, I guess, continued relationship down that path. Then yeah. if you go back and do Commit to Six, you'll go back to the program that you've just started and do it again. That's that's really the only difference. Like the support is exactly the same. Everything else has continued and progressed as you go along. We still check in with you. We still amend targets when they need to be amended we still help you with any problems that you have we're still here to support and to reassure you you're still in the same group nothing really changes apart from the programming is slightly different than the commit six group because it's progressive yep um so not a question just a quick one before we give you your question not a question this is from vicky not a question just want to say a huge thank you we'd love to stay in for committed but due to finance i can't i have however loved the support of this group and all you amazing coaches plus i can still stalk you on instagram (laughs) yay yeah everyone's always welcome back we actually get quite a lot of that people coming and going and you're always welcome here and we're here to support you when you need it yeah and I think as well, stepping away from com- if you finish up the commit but want to come back at a later date, you can go straight back onto committed. Yeah, I've changed or- that. Sorry. Have <laughs> oh, you changed that? Okay. Yeah, okay. On- only because 
it just didn't work. Like it just didn't work very well. And people were like, oh, I don't know. Like it works when you roll on. But if yep. you want to come back, start back with everyone at the start of commit six because you get your reprogram done. We, Yeah, it just fits much better to do it that way. So sorry. You're always welcome back, but you join with the new intake of commit <laughs> to six. Okay, Kelly, should we start using creatine if we haven't done it before or will this cause temporarily, temporarily, temporary, temporary, <laughs> why can't I say temporary. that? Will this cause short term, can change it, weight gain and be demotivating? I've read it causes water weight, but it's a brand new concept to me. Sorry, I know this has been mentioned. It's, I know it's been mentioned that the creatine topic is repetitive. I can't find the answer to this. Honestly, we, this is like, a, it's an in-coaches joke, but no, we don't care about creating questions. In yeah. fact, I quite enjoy them. So don't ever feel like you can't ask them and don't feel like you have to apologize for asking any question. Our whole, like, we go over stuff again and again and again, and I value and see how important that is and how important it is to reiterate this. And actually, this is a great question because there's a couple of things that you've said that I really want to pull apart here. So... It will only be demotivating if you're using the scales to measure your progress. And it's only one small part of your progress. If you truly understand what's happening, i.e., yes, there probably will be some water retention when you start taking creatine. It isn't the same as like hormonal water retention where you look a little bit bigger and puffier. It's water within your muscle to help store the creatine, which is stored within your muscle. If anything, you will look leaner. Now, I actually quite like people taking creatine and the scales going up because it kind of forces you to reassess your relationship with scales. We're literally telling you, this has benefits to your strength. This has benefits to via your strength and via your performance, how much muscle mass you can build. This might even make you look leaner. This has cognitive benefits. This might even reduce your risk of certain cognitive decline type diseases going forward, neurodegenerative diseases. There's so many benefits to taking it. And if you're then saying, I'm not going to take it because the scales are going to go up. I know 100% it's not fat. There are no calories in creatine. Like it is not fat. It is impossible for it to be fat. I'm still going to choose not to take it despite all these benefits. You, that's kind of a really good sign that you need to work on your relationship with the scales. Or we need to help you with that because you need to pull that apart and be like, this this isn't you know you need to stop focusing on the scales as your marker of progress definitely i think as well with creatine there's never really that massive a jump on the scales i think but having dealt with clients for numerous years i think you're looking at like potentially or maximum i've seen is probably about four pounds on the scales which in the general rule of things isn't much like four pounds will well, it'll also rectify itself so the more you take creatine or the longer you take it the body starts to get used to it so things start to flatten out a little bit um so don't yeah, yeah to an extent i will just add on that like that normally happens again I, most people won't put on four pounds probably mm, yeah. one of the biggest indicators is how much muscle mass you have so andy might put on four pounds because he has more muscle mass than i do yeah. i'm likely to put on a pound maybe two if i'm lucky so partly it depends on how much muscle you have and thus how much creatine you can store within that muscle. The second reason that a lot of people experience this sort of like initial weight gain is loading phase, which we advise not to do, especially if it's going to be demotivating. And essentially some people recommend a loading phase of creatine, which is a, a much higher intake. 
and then bringing it back down to maintenance levels. Whereas we just recommend going in at maintenance levels. It will take a couple more weeks to saturate the response, but this is a long-term thing. It doesn't yeah. really matter in the long-term. We expect you to be taking it long-term. So the loading phase is kind of, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Also because some people get like stomach issues from the loading phase as well. And there's just really, the the benefit does not, equate to the cost of the potential downsides of doing that so i just wouldn't recommend doing that and and like the weight gain is the weight gain there's a small little a little bit of weight gain and actually probably for most people it will stay because it's being used to store creatine in your muscles so like that that might be your new baseline if that makes sense and really right is this analogy going to work so i haven't played it out in my head but what we're looking for with weight is a general trend it doesn't really matter what your start weight is and it doesn't actually matter what the numbers are it's the trend over time so right not sure if this is going to work but like let's say you were measuring your height i don't think this is going to work but the point is like if it's consistently inaccurate it doesn't really matter how tall you are you'll know if you're growing or or if you were shrinking quite unlikely but whether you're I don't know, for example, wearing shoes or not, it might say that you're an inch taller or not, but it doesn't matter because it's the trend over time that matters. For example, if you're measuring your kids and for some reason they always stand on the the first step of, you know, like, um, I always had this in my house. I've seen other families with this, but where there's like a wall in your house and it's like your age and how tall you are and you do it like yeah. every year. I can't, they're quite cute. But let's say for example, you did that and you always wore the same shoes or you always stood on the first step of the stairs while you were doing it. It doesn't matter because you're looking at trends over time. It doesn't matter that it's not accurate as to how tall you are. You're looking at trends. You're looking at the fact that you're growing. That's the interesting part. Same with fat loss. Like if you take creatine and now actually your starting weight is a kilogram heavier, for example, it doesn't matter because now we're going from that weight, that's your new like baseline rate or well, weight. And then we're moving down over time if fat loss is the goal. I that's don't think that. Is that actually a new? Is that an okay analogy? I wasn't sure yeah. that was going to work. Home run. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. And Home then Erin's commented under just saying, yes, this is a good question. How will it mask weight loss? So it won't mask weight loss. Weight loss is not fat loss. It might mask fat loss. So I did a post about this actually. I'll I'll link it here. But go in fact, just go onto my Instagram. I think it did it was a couple of days ago. But basically it was showing that some people get a bit mistaken and they're like, fat loss isn't linear. Fat loss is probably linear. If you're creating the same deficit week on week, fat loss is linear. What isn't linear is weight loss. And weight loss won't always be directly correlated to your fat loss. That's why people get pissed off at the scales because you know it's hormonal fluctuations or you've started taking creatine or numerous reasons of maybe you've increased the amount of fiber in your diet and for a couple of days you weigh a bit more like there are so many things that can impact your weight it's not directly correlated to your body composition so fat loss is linear if you're creating the same deficit weight loss isn't and when i say weight loss can uh, sorry fat loss can be masked on the scales by for example taking creatine what i mean is water will be uh, water weight will be put on so the, the your weight might not go down or it might go up even though you've lost body fat that's what i mean when i say fat loss yeah. is being masked on the scales perfect okay. 
Orkaduk uh, from Laura. You talk a lot about coaching almost being more critical when you get to maintenance. What do you think it is about maintenance that people struggle with so much? And if you had to choose just three fundamentals to maintenance success, what would they be? Oh, what a great question. Um, sorry, when you said critical there, I thought you meant critical as in like critiquing as opposed to it being really important. And I was like, what yeah. do you mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, okay, this is a really good question. I think... I think uh, the reason I talk about it being so important is because most people that I'm talking to right now listening to this have lost weight before. Like, it, this isn't the first time that you've lost weight, body fat, whatever. You've got in shape before, probably. You've had a period where you've lost fat, but you haven't been able to maintain that. And that's so, so, so common. And it's usually because you see these, like, short-term diets or short-term success and that's what you aim for because everyone's a bit impatient and if you can do it quicker, why not do it quicker? And there's not this long-term overarching view. The definition of a successful diet is weight maintenance after a year. Come back in a year and have you maintained this weight? And when I say weight, like it doesn't matter if you've put on a couple of kilograms, like within a range, it's completely normal. But like, let's say you've lost 20 pounds of fat have you put back on that 20 pounds of fat? I mean, you might have put on three because that's totally normal with like general fluctuations, but have you been able to maintain that? That's the definition of a successful diet, not how much weight did you lose in six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is. The really impressive thing is when we have people come back in a year and they're like, yeah, I'm still where I wanted to be. And that's really, really hard, really hard to do. And your approach is going to dictate whether that happens or not and really it's figuring out why you were doing the behaviors you were previously doing and being able to incorporate the behaviors that are conducive to your outcome goal of staying lean and healthy into your life and making it enjoyable so my number one thing would be make it enjoyable my number two thing would be like have a long-term plan for this see it as a long-term plan and don't see it as oh, this diet is six weeks long. It's, this is for the rest of my life. Now the numbers will change. So if you're in fat loss now, it's not, I'm going to be on 1600 calories for the rest of my life. It's these core principles are what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm still going to be active. I'm in, and like the numbers can change. It might not always be that you go for 12,000 steps. You might be like, what's more realistic for me at maintenance is 8,000. Fine. But I'm still going to make a priority to be active. I'm still going to do my workouts. The only thing that should really change when you come from a fat loss phase to maintenance is the fact that you're going to eat a little bit more calories. And it's probably not going to be that much more than what you think. It's not this huge overhaul. It's not this huge, completely different concept. It's fat loss to maintenance for a lot of people, especially as women, is like 200 calories, unfortunately. 250 calories. By the end of your diet, when you're potentially in quite a small deficit, it's actually not that much. <laughs> sorry to sorry to tell you that. What are your tips for maintenance? Um, I think exactly as you said is planning ahead um, and understanding. It's a lot of it's about changing your thought process towards it as well because I think so many people, um, especially like going through commit to six, so many people are kind of teetering on the edge of oh I want to go to maintenance but I really need to lose more weight. It's like well who's told you need to lose more weight? As soon as you start thinking, I need to get to maintenance, 
or thinking about maintenance, normally that's when you need to make the switch to maintenance. That's where it needs to go. Um, for me, things about maintenance, exactly the same principles as I was used for um, if you're trying to body fat or you're trying to build muscle, for me is routine. Stick to your routine. You've built this routine over, say for instance, the six weeks that you've been working on Commit to Six. And to take that on to maintenance is exactly the same principles. You just need the consistency. I think consistency is probably key. Probably the I would pick one fundamental is just being consistent. Turning up for yourself, turning up for your training, just making sure you're staying consistent with all the habits that you've built. And we've told we've spoken about this before. You know, habits don't just magically appear. You have to build them. You have to work on them. You've got to nurture them. You've got to make sure that they stay in place. Sometimes you've got to be, I was talking about tough love on the last podcast. Sometimes you've got to be a bit harder on yourself and be a bit more disciplined to keep these habits in place. But for me, probably consistency, um, long-term viewpoint or long-term view on where you're going. Um, so yeah, I think they're probably the, the, the sort of the two that I would probably pick out as being for me. Yeah, and just to point out as well, like you can still change your body composition at maintenance. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people get to this stage where they're pretty happy with where they are, but they're like, you know what, I probably still would like to build a little bit of muscle and lose a bit of fat. And actually, probably the best thing to do at that stage is sit around maintenance and train freaking hard. And and body recomposition will still happen. It's just slower, but it's going to be slow anyway. And it's Mm. probably going to be faster if you're sitting at maintenance because you're not in a deficit, which puts you in a better position to build muscle. And a lot of the time, the reason that you're not at the body composition you thought that you might be at at the end of the diet is because you've not built enough muscle yet. And you might see someone with an incredible physique and think, I just need to diet to get there. And actually you forget that they've potentially spent 10 years building muscle. Like people don't create these physiques just from dieting. It's the building muscle process that came before that this so fundamental to having like a lean physique if that's your goal and one other thing i'll just add on the maintenance because as you were talking i was like yeah that's actually key is is like you're saying the mindset shift and changing it from oh i have to get my steps in i have to stick to my diet i have to do my workouts to i get to fuel my body with healthy nutritious food that makes me feel good i get to go and exercise and go to the gym I get to get out and and walk around and get my steps in and be active. And all these things have huge positives to my life and realizing those positives and not just they made me lose weight. It's they made me feel a certain way. They gave me this confidence. They improved my strength. They improved my health. There's so many benefits to them and reminding yourself of those benefits kind of gives you that motivation to keep going as well. Definitely. Okay. I've been told in the past that any weight I have around my middle is due to a a stress response and cortisol. So was told to eat more carbs and relax more. (laughs) What great advice. (laughs) I don't understand (laughs) as I'm sure these fitness models slash bodybuilding contestants are stressed yet they still manage to get ripped. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who told you to do that, but it's not, it's not really true. Like stress is Stress is such an interesting topic and I've actually done numerous podcasts on this. I think one's called Reframing Stress, which is quite a good one to listen to. And there are physiological impacts of stress and one of them is increased hunger. For some people it's actually reduced hunger, but that can have an impact or 
more to more to the point like if that if you're stressed and so you're not sleeping as well and that's also impacting your hunger really interesting study comparing eight hours sleep to four hours sleep and and this was on a ad-lib diet so essentially just monitoring the the changes in behaviors that people live in everyday life so they had one group that had eight hours sleep one group that had four hours sleep without being told to do anything habitually people who had four hours sleep ate 556 more calories i think it was that number but it was around 500 more calories so you can see that actually things like that do impact now you've kind of pointed something out which is completely right here whether you're stressed or not if you're creating an energy deficit you'll still lose body fat like it's not like cortisol can mean that you magically store calories that you haven't consumed that that doesn't happen and i mean you can argue this both ways i know that when I'm really stressed, and I think it depends what you're stressed about as well, but often when I'm really stressed, my hunger completely goes. And I realize that my heart rate is continuously elevated, which means actually technically I'm burning more calories throughout the whole day. Like, you know, when you're just constantly anxious, <laughs> great feeling, but also quite probably <laughs> quite useful to uh, dieting. No, I wouldn't suggest this feeling, but you know, uh, you kind of lose your appetite and actually end up sort of fidgeting a bit more and just being like really anxious in fact like normally it's negative but i'm just thinking when that last happened to me and it was on tuesday before we did the webinar i couldn't eat all day i mean i did but like i, I felt really anxious the whole day i was like quite cheery i noticed that my heart rate was elevated all day <laughs> i don't really know why i was so nervous even though it's like what i do all the time you say you do it every single day and i spoke to chloe about it it's strange when these little things pop up like i played football on friday night and i didn't really tell many people but the team that i was playing against was the team i was playing for when i tore my acl so i was kind of wee bit anxious about that and exactly the same like I, i couldn't sit down that day i was just I didn't really, it wasn't in the forefront of my head, but it obviously was because I was twitchy. I was, I was um, not anxious. I was a bit more kind of like on the edge. I was a bit like, oh, so I just wanted to get on the pitch. And then like, obviously everything went well. So afterwards, you also feel knackered afterwards. Were you not tired after the webinar? Did you not just sit and go, <sighs> I was on a total high. Cause I was like, but one, I just felt it went really well. And I, there was like a little bit of like relief. But yeah, I just like the feedback was incredible, and yeah. I'm just laughing. At, I'm just laughing at Shona's chat yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, so then we had an EIQ. This was for the <laughs> students. We had oh. uh, like a, a webinar that everyone can join, and we like discuss different topics. And Shona joined, didn't mute her uh, <laughs> Zoom, and it was like she was putting. I'm well. This is what she claims. She didn't fart. She was putting like her boob cup onto her boob suction pump, thing. Yeah, the suction cup to, to, to anyway. Express, she, to like Amelia that. was talking about something, it just kept, <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> <laughs> and she was so she kept being like, "That wasn't me, by the way. That wasn't." Me. I was like, "All right." <laughs> The lady doth protest. As Shona said, I can only imagine like her scream just popped up in the middle with a big green circle as if you're the ones talking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Genius. Absolute genius. (laughs) It was really funny. Okay, yeah. So what were we saying about stress? Yeah, I think we've kind of covered that. But um, 
you can also like i i find really interesting that the podcast that i did on reframing stress because i just think it's a different way to look at it and i mean it's not my research but it's just talking about some really interesting research on the way that we view stress and, and most of us view it as a negative but actually you can view it as a positive as well and and kind of like what we were discussing just now actually i probably did better in the webinar i mean i think i was a little bit too nervous actually but there's like an optimal this is like from sports science the optimal level of arousal where like you don't want to be <laughs> you don't want to be too aroused <laughs> obviously but you also don't want to be like under aroused like you want to be the, the right amount. i don't know why they have to use the word aroused but essentially like can you just many... imagine yourself sitting there tweak my nipples a wee bit there we go i'm already ready to go <laughs> seems to be like a little bit turned on but not too turned on for the webinar um yeah yeah, you don't want to be like over aroused, over stimulated, over nervous, but actually a little bit of nerves is good. And like probably a little bit of stress is good as well. And and they use the example of people perform at their best at the Olympic Games a lot of the time if they can manage stress well, because you've got so much like pressure is actually quite a good thing a lot of the time. Like that is unlikely that you're going to run a PB in training, but you probably will in a race that you care about that you're putting everything into. And that you're in the moment in so some stress can be a good thing and then another thing i like to think about is that a lot of us complain about all like the stressful things in our life and actually it tends to be everything that you love you're like oh i find work so stressful and it's like well yeah probably because you do something that you really care about and that you want to do a good job for or you're like so stressful because i've got to pick the kids up from school okay you really like you have a family you have a busy family life like that's actually a blessing most of the things that you think are stressful or are adding stress to your life are adding value to your life or that are really important to your life and actually mm. if I was like okay so do you want me to take all your stresses away you'd be like oh, actually no kind of like my job kind of like my kids like okay right maybe you maybe have, I need to reframe this, this. You can have wee Jimmy he's just a wee dick <laughs> <laughs> take him so yeah have you got one yes uh, from Catherine. if we have a genetic predisposition to gain fat is it specific areas um some around their tummy some on their hips etc do we gain muscle in specific areas too obviously you grow muscles you work but could it be that i gain lean arm muscle more easily than leg muscle or do i just need to train legs more i think there's an element of both so yeah there's a huge genetic predisposition to where you store body fat to where you store muscle mass that to some extent you well you can't change the predisposition but for most people you're so far from that genetic ceiling that you don't even really need to worry about it like if, if you want it it's the same rules apply like if you want to improve your muscle mass on your legs train legs more will some other people be able to train legs less and have more muscle mass on their legs yeah unfortunately they probably will i mean calves is a pretty good example some people just seem to have incredible calves despite never training them and some people train their calves all the time and have really poor calves like a lot yeah. of it is genetic but there's still a lot you can do within your genetics so don't see it as like a limiting factor and realize that you know i've been training for years and years and i'm still way below my genetic ceiling so don't don't put that like it's it's never that and with the fat loss as well, like, yeah, some people will find it harder to lose fat. So they might need a little bit more support. It's not impossible. And it's yeah. not it's not beyond energy balance. It's the fact that some people have a higher drive to eat. That's probably the critical thing there with genetics. It's 
your drive to eat. It's not that some people store calories that they haven't consumed. It's that mm. their hunger levels are higher, which makes it harder for them to stick to a diet. Yeah, alongside the the muscle building stuff, I also find as well. Don't know if you're like this with clients that people who usually have oh, I really don't like I, I, my arms don't my arms don't uh, aren't getting any bigger. It's generally because they don't like training arms, and they don't put as much work into them, train them as often, or the intensity required to help sort of stimulate that growth. So exactly as you said, like you know, it's about um, as as we as we're nobody or if you'll be very very really is anybody going to reach their genetic potential and you've got a massive ceiling to push into and it's just about putting the work ethic into it. it's you know you see loads of people that complain about not getting the the gains that they want but then when you see them training you're like well you know you've got quite a lot you could still push into that session like you go and i've done three exercises and i'm off like well maybe we need to think about upping the ante a little bit, like push it a bit harder. If you feel that you've got more left in the tank, you probably can probably push a bit harder. Agreed. Okay, Lydia, three days in, so early days, but so far I'm really struggling to meet my protein target as a veggie. I dread to think how little protein I was consuming before making a conscious effort. Are synthetic, um, she's put in brackets, wrong word, but I don't know what else to term it here, Sources of protein, for example, shakes, bars, etc., adequate for day for a daily boost, or should I opt for quote unquote natural sources of protein and use bars and shakes as a last resort? Having a carb killer earlier, although tasty, I just felt like I was eating a whole load of sweetener and not sure what else. I hope that makes sense. Good question. And I don't think there's anything wrong with using bars and shakes. If if you feel like you don't want to eat that much sweetener or whatever then then maybe opt for a shake or something or a high protein yogurt or something that's i guess more quote-unquote natural i don't really like the term natural because actually most things are processed to an extent and i think sometimes people like put shakes in this box as well and really it's just milk like it's literally Mm. milk powdered down with some of the fat taken out like if you're having a whey protein shake like the casein's been taken out, the fat's been taken out, it's now just whey protein. It's still like it's still a quote unquote natural source of food. So yeah. don't yeah, don't um worry too much about that. Thoughts? Yeah. I think um I think the ways to look at boosting it's the same for if, whether you're veggie, vegan, pro um, or or you eat sort of meat and dairy and stuff is that so many people, if you were to look at your main source of protein at your meals, it's maybe about boosting that. And like, rather than, for instance, if you're a meat eater, you have a chicken breast, maybe it's time you need to push to a chicken breast and a half to get the extra protein in, you know. But there is absolutely no reason why you can't supplement with shakes and bars and stuff. You know, it's at the end of the day, the reason that we would prefer you to get it from food is for satiety so that you're actually full. If you are drinking two shakes a day, you're probably going to be hungry. So you're probably going to have the the emphasis will be on overeating at some point because you end up... Oh, sorry. I don't know what else was going on there. So you end up being overeating um, because you have no food volume in your stomach. So you really need to think about these things. That's the reasons probably why you would, wouldn't use supplements as often, but there is no reason why you can't use them. Yeah, and potentially it's just a bit less enjoyable. But... 
actually yeah. you know as a vegetarian I'm, it's actually not that hard as a vegetarian and andy's like i know this seems really obvious the, the point andy just made about like increase your portion sizes but often that's actually just what you need to do is you're like oh what yeah. other sources of protein can i have and you're like oh, why don't you just have a little bit more of what you're already having that's that's fine but i i have a yeah. shake every single day so do I. I'm so, the same. I'm, I have a like, shake. I'm usually my shake first thing in the morning. Yeah, so. it's just easy. It's convenient. I know I'm getting an X amount of protein. Boom. Yeah. Done and dusted. Okay, a, a question's just popped up on essentially this. So what's the difference between casein and whey? Casein is a slower digesting protein. It actually has a lower... Um, what was I going to say? Not it, The amino acid profile isn't quite as good as as way as well in terms of building muscle so i just wouldn't go for casein some people like to have it before they go to bed because it's that slower release protein and you could argue that maybe it reduces muscle protein breakdown to a larger extent during the night but i think i i would probably even if i was going to have a pre-bed protein intake i'd probably still have whey yeah casein can be really gritty and pretty bogging yeah i remember having one from usn when like honestly some of the supplements that i had from usn because they used to sponsor me so they'd send me all these free supplements disgusting like like vile and i'm like how does this even get to the stage of like being uh, like has literally no one (laughs) tasted this before because it's not even like oh i'm sure some people would like that but it's just not really my taste yeah did anybody do the taste test on this one but i know that they do as well it's so it's so weird but anyway i just remember this like casein mousse and it was the most disgusting thing that it was horrendous that one and then the other one that really what not from usm but from reflex was they did a pre-workout that was called something fusion maybe and it was like supposed to be pineapple and it tasted like barf. It tasted like literally you'd been sick in your mouth and then swallowed it again. It was her- It was so bad. I I remember Tom, eh, when he was working with them, gave me a couple of sachets. And, oh, mate, this stuff's amazing. Nah, nah, nah. Gave me absolute fear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It's interesting. I mean, I do know that free form, like branched chain amino acids or amino acids, which we wouldn't recommend taking anyway, taste like hell so i think that sometimes like there's it's quite hard to mask the taste of certain supplements but anyway this is kind Especially of besides the point what they're what they're processed from mm-hmm. yeah no isn't it duck feathers Ch- duck and chicken feathers and weirdly enough human hair oh. but where do they get the human hair i just imagine them, like Pres- prisoners ho- in calling up like, like weird hairdressers like, prisoners Be- in china or Russia or something like that. Oh, God. Madness. Just, guys, Absolutely. just eat your own hair. If you want to save money on BCA, just <laughs> eat your own hair. Grind it, grind it up. Put a wee flavour drop in it. You'll be fine. I can imagine <laughs> someone doing like a TikTok on that. It's like, so basically what I'm doing here is I'm cutting some of my own hair, putting it in a, just a grinder. And what I do is I put it in the Nutribullet, with it all up, and there you go, wow. your own branch chain amino acids. You do remember the? You do remember? Was it not you that shared it to to me? Actually, was the the health influencer who was having semen in her um, oh, smoothies? Oh God, yeah. 
and putting on her face I'm, as I'm well. She's ve- like really great, great for cleansing. Oh. I'm a vegan. It's the it's the main source of protein that I get in. Okay. All right then. <laughs> and then she was and like, "Yeah, I just freeze it. She it's got no, some frozen in there." She had no partner, so she was having to go and find this from somewhere else. Oh Weird. my god. <laughs> anyway, Karen. <laughs> if you're so fat loss- moving on, Karen. <laughs> If your fat loss is slow on your calories, for instance, one to two pounds in six weeks, does that mean when you're at maintenance, there won't be much difference in dieting and maintenance calories? Uh, thanks to all the coaches, I've loved the last six weeks. Um, so, excuse me, I've loved the last six weeks. Um, I'm trying to get this to come up, but, but your okay. picture when I go out is gone. Oh, don't jumped. worry. So, essentially, what going, yeah, it's fine. was the question yeah. that if she's in a small deficit yeah then will it not be very much to bring up to maintenance pretty much what we said at the start about the fact that if you are losing smaller amounts of weight that your maintenance calories will be less so and especially being female probably even less than if you were male um so yeah you might find that your your maintenance calories are potentially 100 to 200 calories more than what you're currently on so exactly as we said you know it's not like we're going to i think a lot of people again as you mentioned was like when you get talk about maintenance calories it's like they think they're going to have to intake another thousand calories a day when in actual fact it's probably not even 10 to 15 percent of what they probably estimate that the, the raise is going to be yeah, I think well, it obviously depends on how big a deficit you're in. If you're in a 500 calorie deficit, then to get up to maintenance, you need to add 500 calories. Remember, maintenance is your total daily energy expenditure. So the amount of calories that you're burning during the day. And if those two things are equal, if you're intaking the same amount of calories that you're expending or there and thereabout, then you're at maintenance. Then your energy balance is in equilibrium. And if you're in a deficit, hey, great word, right? Even did the little R roll. If you're in a, de- in a you're if you're in a deficit, then you're obviously below that level. Now, the size of your deficit will dictate how many calories you need to add to bring yourself up to maintenance. Definitely good. Okay, we've got one on the live from Andy Appleyard. I really like that Appleyard. There you go. Seen a few references to cutting and bulking by being in a deficit and in and then surplus calories. Are these cycles you should go through or can you always stay, quote unquote, at maintenance? You can stay at maintenance for as long as you want. You're going to obviously it's the the issue that we have is if you're trying to build muscle, being at maintenance may not be optimal for putting the body under the under enough to, to be able to build muscle so which is why we and to be fair the word bulk is a bit of a crap word um but everybody uses it so everybody knows what it is um so that slight surplus or creating a surplus to build some muscle is kind of going to be more optimal than sitting at maintenance where your body's kind of sitting at equilibrium equilibrium um, <laughs> Um, there are you know and similarly you can chip away at body fat at maintenance but a slight deficit may be more optimal to cut in a bit more body fat um, and people talk about you know everybody's talking about many cuts and like many bulks and stuff like that to, to be fair I, there's not really anything to do like many 
Is it going to do that much in the sort of short period of time that we're looking at? Probably not as much as you hope it's going to be, unless you're super aggressive, which probably is either if you're a super aggressive deficit, you're going to restrict, you're then going to binge. And if you're super, super strict or super um, going on the deficit, you're going to pack on body fat, which is probably not where you want to be. So picking that happy meat jump is always a better place. Agreed. I actually really hate the cutting bulking cycle. I think it's only appropriate if you're a bodybuilder. If your goal, and this, so it's goal dependent, right? If your goal is to build as much muscle mass as possible, yeah, doing some kind of quote unquote bulk or surplus phase is probably a good thing to do. Even then, I would be dubious as to the size of the surplus because building muscle is freaking slow and yep. the benefit of more calories is going to be saturated pretty quickly. So, you might only be able to utilize, I don't know, an extra 100 calories a day in terms of maximizing the response of in- increasing muscle mass from those extra calories. Whereas some people bulk on 500 extra calories a day, really what's happening is 400 of those are just going to be stored as fat. And, yeah. and, and then what often happens from that is, oh, I feel quite uncomfortable now because I put on so much weight, I'm going to diet again. And then you're stuck in this, like, what I really term a glorified yo-yo diet cycle of, oh, I'm cutting and now I'm bulking and I'm cutting and I'm bulking. It's like, no, you're basically yo-yo dieting. Like, if you're, like, quick, quick, bulking properly and you're a bodybuilder, it's like a full off season. It's like six months of being in a surplus, at least, if not more. Some people take years off to build a decent amount of muscle. For most of our clients, they want to stay in a relatively lean, healthy body and... To do that, you probably want to sit around maintenance. Maybe if you want to build muscle, you are on the side of a surplus. Probably don't need to be in more than 100 calorie surplus a day. Anything more than that is just going to be stored as fat and probably make you feel uncomfortable. And you'll probably want to diet again before you've actually been able to build any muscle. I say this as someone who did that for years. So like, yeah. just realize from a physiological perspective, like, get to a healthy body range. And then don't, even if you want to build muscle, don't massively ramp up your calories. And we obviously will help you when you get there personally, but I, I just push back a little bit against this like big notion that you should be cutting or you should be bulking. I think sitting around maintenance, aiming to build muscle, it's a pretty good place to be, especially as a woman, because building muscle is even slower as a woman. So probably less of that 100 calorie surplus even can be used to actually build more muscle. The one caveat I'll say to this is that if you're trying to maintain a ridiculously lean physique, you're going to need to put on some body fat in order to build muscle. Like if your body's so lean that you're like unhealthy levels of body fat, you can't maintain that. So get into a healthy body fat range, then hit around maintenance, train really hard, sleep really well, eat enough protein, practice good form with progressive overload do that consistently over time, be freaking patient, keep doing the work, then, my friend, you will build muscle. That sounded like a little sort of Shakespearean thing. Then, my friend. Then, my friend. Then, my friends, my listeners, thou shall build build thy muscle. muscle. (laughs) Um, 
Two non-questions, um, one from Lauren. No question from me either, but a big thank you for all the content, guidance, and support. Can't stay on currently, but we'll continue with everything I've learned, been learning, and hope to be back in a couple of cycles time. And then from Jill, no question from me, just to say it's been fabulous and I love the community and the education that has helped me refine my goals and work towards them. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Is that all the questions from that thread? No, there's a cup. There's four more so we can rattle through them quite quick should um, we do those Sarah, four hi. and then we'll come back to this thread on the next one perfect um okay from sarah hi guys i have a question about stimulating mps oh Muscle one proteins. of my favorite topics synthesis the arousal is real um maybe we should change it to arousing muscle protein synthesis arousing you got to you got to roll your arousing <laughs> Um, the way I understand it is the two ways of stimulating muscle protein synthesis are resistance training and eating an adequate protein slash leucine serving. I believe there needs to be a few hours gap between protein servings to allow things to reset before stimulating again for it to be effective. So why do we want to eat protein close to training if it's going to stimulate MPS without a reset period? Are the pathways different? Just something I've been pondering recently. This is such a good question. The way that you can think about this, and you know, if you really enjoy this, I and this kind of level, I would sign up to EIQ because we go over this. Re- and and I'm just thinking in my head of the slide that I did on this, and it's an incredible graph on it. But essentially, what you think if you're resistance training, you're increasing your rates of muscle protein synthesis for about 48 hours, but that slopes down. So anyone who's listening on the podcast, you can't see my gesticulations to explain this, but. Let's say you resistance train and rates of muscle protein synthesis go up. Oh, no, it's going to go that way. And then they need to go down over time. And it's like a, it's a slope down over the next sort of 48 hours. Now, every protein feeding you have on top of that spikes it at this new higher level. So you're in, increasing from a, a higher baseline level. And then that baseline level will, will go down and down. So they, is the right word, augment each other? They, they are additional to each other. So once you yep, resistance right. trained... On top of that, you're stimulating muscle protein via um, nutrition as well, via protein intake as well. And the other reason that it's quite useful to take near training is because you've actually stimulated a lot of or created a lot of muscle damage, so a lot of muscle breakdown. And if there is abundant amino acids available, it's probably a good thing. And when I say mm, it's probably a good thing, just because it's not the most important thing in the world to get your protein in around training, but it just makes sense. Like, why not do it? I mean, it might add only 2%, but also you're going to eat at some point anyway. You're going to eat protein at some point anyway. Why not get it in around your workout? It does. There is some logic to why that would be beneficial. So I would do that. Perfect. Awesome answer. Um, Karen, sorry me again. Don't apologize. If you have no or irregular periods, would scales still go up for three to four days because of hormones? Also, uh, also, if your resting heart rate had increased at the same time, could that be hormonal too? Yes, there are potential fluctuations in heart rate that could be hormonal. Um, your resting metabolic... Well, your... Yeah, your resting metabolic rate increases slightly before your periods and you produce a little bit more heat so you do actually burn 
more calories just before your period it's not as much as what we might like to think but it's to the tune of about 100 calories maybe slightly more depending on a couple of factors mm. um so yes uh in terms of having irregular or no periods there probably will be potentially like an underlying hormonal fluctuation this is quite individual i wouldn't know for the specific individual obviously if you have irregular periods that won't be cyclical every month because your hormones will be irregular as well um but i would definitely go and speak to your doctor if that's you if if you're experiencing that because it's really important that you go and speak to your doctor even if and i think sometimes people are like i don't think i really want kids like even if you decide you absolutely never want kids it's still really important to get that checked out for various reasons but it will impact your health and and having very low estrogen levels is not a good place to be so definitely go and uh get that checked out yeah this, there's a second part to this question which is quite a simple one in check-ins are we giving the lowest weight of the two weeks or just in the week leading up to the check-in you could put both i mean more data yeah. is always better so yeah, yeah put definitely both. um Jennifer, I'll probably get a row for this kind of question, but hey-ho, how much would you be expecting scales to go down over this kind of period of time on Commit to Six if adhering to principles and calorie target? The unfortunate answer to this is how long is a piece of string? And the piece of string is individual, unfortunately. The the fluctuations between people is massive. So the differences in how how much people will lose is humongous like we could not predict we can't predict anything from this unfortunately we just need to see where we're at and see where you're trending your weight trends to as the six weeks go on so there's this is this whole thing about i kind of get a bit frustrated about when you see things lose two stone in four weeks programs and stuff like that well that's great because maybe somebody's lost two stone but they're not telling you about the other 49 people who lost between two pounds and eight pounds but yeah so it's it's a very difficult it's a very very difficult question to answer yeah and i think this seems like such an obvious point to make but it depends how much fat you have to lose exactly someone who comes to us and has 50 pounds of fat to lose might lose quite a lot of weight during a six-week program but someone who is five pounds potentially away from a healthy body weight isn't going to lose that much weight like it's the magnitude of how much you have to lose that's going to impact that as well so yeah like i wouldn't really want to say a lot of people go off like one pound per week which which kind of comes from the notion that there's roughly 3500 calories in a pound of fat and if you create a 500 calorie deficit every day for seven days that's 3500 calories ago one pound of fat a week now remember that even if you lose consistently one pound of fat a week that doesn't mean that you will lose one pound of weight a week so even that there will be fluctuations in that and equally like loads of things come into this like if you before you started commit six ate a really high carb high fat no sorry high carb really salty diet for example and then you've completely changed your diet and maybe you're eating less carbs less salt more whole foods you'll probably drop quite a lot of water weight initially as well. So yeah, I don't like to give numbers on that. And also a lot of people, like there's so much more than just weight loss that you're going to get from this. 
so like it's probably so far down on the list of important things and I did a post about this this morning but your mindset wins your relationship with yourself your relationship with food how you feel all that is so much more important to us than how much weight you lose yeah I think that's that's some of the biggest um the biggest successes as far as I'm concerned as a coach over all the people that I've worked with over Commit to Six and Committed is the mindset changes and the fact that you see them moving away from worrying about scale weight and seeing the bigger picture. So implementing routine into their life where they're able to go away on holiday or be flexible if routine has to change, you know, things like that. They are so much more, for me, so much more important than what the number says in the scales. Yeah, um, I, like we that, got some feedback and it was just like, I quite like myself now. And I'm yeah, like, like that, that's incredible. Like just you, that, like I don't even care if you've lost weight or not, or just that in itself, the that mindset change. And do you know what? That leads to weight loss. And I think sometimes there's this false dichotomy portrayed of like, you either work on your mindset or you work on weight loss. And that isn't the case. And actually these two things are, are really quite aligned a lot of the time. If you feel better about yourself, if you're a happier person, if you respect yourself, if you start to really like yourself, then you want to do good things for yourself, like fuel your body with good, healthy, nutritious food. Make sure that you get outside for a walk. Make sure that you exercise. You start treating yourself like you are a a friend of yourself or like the way you would for someone that you love because you actually start loving yourself. That's how the mindset translates into fat loss or weight loss. Yeah, 100%. Um, Right, last question here from Nishat. Hello, will we still have access to the workouts on my PT hub once commit to six is over? Not unless you're staying on for committed, no. After the program, you'll lose access to the... But you can, I mean, you can download them if you want. Probably shouldn't say that, but yeah, like they're there. You can screenshot them, you can download them, you can keep them, but you won't have access to the app. All the all the workouts yeah. after the program's finished. It clears itself out just to, because it makes it much more simple because of the number of people that we have coming through the, the program. So if we kept, if everybody was kept on, I think the 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 app would probably crash die. even more than it does at the moment. Yeah, it would <laughs> die, and also like it's a business for us. Then like this is yeah. how this is how we make money and. It's a six-week program, so... Exactly. Yeah. Um, Jill's actually asked in this one, she's lost all her details in the MyPTHub Classic app, can't see any workouts or nutrition. Um, so I would maybe... Jill, I'll, I'll go and speak to Jill, because that sounds like cool. a technical problem. Do you want me to t- tag in that bit? Yes, please, please tag me. Um, Perfectos. What I'd like to finish on is uh, something that I read that I just thought was like such a good quote. And it just, it just made me think of the, the Commit 6 group. And that is that people change when they feel sufficiently supported to change. Wow. I thought that I was good. As one of the, as one of the, not even from the coaches, but us coaches point of view, because obviously we are here to support everything that you guys want to do moving forward. If you want to drop some body fat, we're there to support you if you want to go to maintenance we're there for that if you want to put on some muscle perfect anything goes but honestly the the group the the resource that the group has is 
is just like it's mind blowing. Like we regularly say this that we um like I I'm astounded at times about the the level of support and love and like help that everybody gives each other on it. It's like you know it's something that if this was around if this was around ten years ago, like it would have been it, and it is still groundbreaking to be fair because there are no other there are no other group coaching platforms that have what we have and we are extremely lucky to be part of that to nurture that yeah exactly. no it's incredible and i hope everyone in the group is very happy to be here as well okay right we're gonna head off i will come back and finish the questions because there's a couple more on the post which are freaking excellent i'm just gonna remind myself of where i am cool and if uh, you oh yeah do it pop on your wherever you get your um po- podcast from give us a rating more for the fact that the better the rating we have and the more people we have rating it more people get to hear the knowledge and education that we want to put across and also your amazing questions that we love to answer so give us a rating five's always good five's always good and maybe write a review because we've got 299 and it's really upsetting oh no ocd what happens when it goes to 301 nothing i just feel slightly better (laughs) so there you go okay see you soon guys ciao